Hebrews chapter 11, faith chapter. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together in your word. We ask your blessing. We pray that you just uh, go before us, go before our time. We thank you that we have individuals um, who trusted and endured through difficulty and that we can learn from that as we go through difficulty and we can trust as well, Lord. So bless this time that we have together as we lift it up to you in Jesus' name and all of God's people said... Amen. So we're looking at a group of individuals that are first century AD, desiring to maybe go back to certain things. They're losing endurance. They're losing patience. They're losing an ability to stick with um, the Lord and wanting to, the temptation is to go back into the ritual, go back into Judaism. But as we looked at verses 1 through 6 last week, you'll notice he starts at creation and Bobby eloquently shared with us that if you have a problem with the first verse in the Bible, you're probably going to have a problem with the rest of the Bible. But if you can get through that first verse, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then the rest should pretty much be downhill from there. And so God points to, or the the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, points to creation. And then we look at um, anger with Abel and Cain. Cain kills his brother Abel. God receives Abel's sacrifice and didn't receive Cain's. And God goes to him and tells him, you know, your countenance is down. And if you do what's right, you're going to be okay. Abel didn't want to do what's right. Pointing to Abel... I mean, to Cain, yeah, to Abel as one who walked by faith and his sacrifice was received, and yet he's not there. None of these Hebrews that were struggling with their faith were killed up to this point. And so that was something to think about for them as they're listening to this encouragement. Then he talked about Enoch, and nobody endured as long as Enoch, right? Because he had endured over 300 years. And he walked so closely and so tightly to God and with God that God took him, he raptured him, and so he went with him. And so we're going to go on. And then we we ended with the verse, uh, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So as we go through the book of Hebrews, and we're in chapter 11, this hall of faith as it's called, um, trust and endurance is kind of what you want to understand what God is showing us through these individuals. They trusted God by taking him at his word and they endured through time. And so that's an important thing for us as Christians. We don't throw in the towel. We don't quit. We don't give up. We keep going. As difficult as it is, as much as we might not understand, as as confused as we may be, we just stick with it because guess what there's nothing better out there remember john chapter 6 where jesus does the miracle and then he begins to say some very difficult things unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood you have no part in me and it says many of his disciples no longer walked with him and then he looks to the 12 and he asks them you guys want to leave too and peter says lord to whom shall we go You alone have the words of eternal life. 
we have come to believe and we know that you're the Christ, the one sent from God. So we might not understand what this eating of your flesh thing means or drinking of your blood thing means, but Lord, where are we going? We got nowhere to go. And so for the Christian, somehow the Christian just endures. The Christian just figures out a way to keep keeping on. And yes, it's difficult. I don't know if there's anybody that can relate to ever wanting to quit, to ever wanting to throw in the towel. And if you've never felt that, then maybe you've not gone through deep enough of a trial, through deep enough of a, of a, of a time where you just, oh, this is, this is tough stuff. But somehow God just keeps us. And so very important for, for us to know. But before we move on, I've asked uh, my buddy, Mr. Clyde, to share with us. Okay, um, I wasn't sure exactly how to attack this issue when uh, Johnny first presented it to me. Um, at first, I was, was kind of thinking that maybe you're looking for a, a short message. And um, anyway, so I did a little bit of both. Uh, Johnny last week uh, uh, defined one of the definitions of faith is in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, and he mentioned that, and I don't want to repeat everything just because most people were here last week. Um, but when I started thinking about uh, faith and my experience with faith, obviously the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. So faith is a critical ingre- ingredient in our relationship with God, just as belief is obviously. And um, one of the things that I was thinking about was in my situation, I became a Christian in my teens. So it's been a long time, and the walk has been, not without trials, obviously, but uh, I've been really blessed. And I would say that I, I sometimes wonder what kind of person I would have been if I didn't have Christ in my life in an early age. You know, uh, And like I said, I still have trials, still have struggles like anybody else, but I, I feel so blessed in that area. Um, one of the things that, when I look at the area of growth in my life uh, over the years, is that um, uh, one thing is being content. The Bible talks about us being content and not comparing ourselves with other people or other issues. And I think sometimes if there was a stumbling block in my life, that would be one of them, uh, not being content. And it would be more comparing myself with other people. And obviously, I would put myself more at the short end of the stick a lot of the times. But I think God has worked with me and God has shown me over time that he's made each of us special. And in that way, I can rest in that. Um, when we're talking about um, probably uh, issues in one's life where, the, where uh, faith has been tested, I would say my faith hasn't necessarily... I've, I've always trusted in God, I would say, at different levels, but I've trusted in him during the hard times and the good times. But I would say where my deficiency lies more is is trusting in what other Christians say. I think I've questioned that. And I would say I questioned it probably the most was when I was going through my divorce. And I've heard people pray and talk when I was engaged with my ex-wife about how good things would be and about how things would come about and we would grow in this and that. And I've often wondered why didn't anybody share if they had this prof- prophetic issue about what we were really going to go through you know and I was hurt by that and I was I stumbled and I even questioned some of the leadership about that at times in at the fellowship I was going to um, and so if I would say if any areas where I've stumbled in the area has been more with 
not not as much God because I, I but but people that have shared things about God that I put faith in that just didn't come to pass. Um, but um, as far as my walk goes, I would say if I bring it to current times, um, I, we all go through experiences in our life. I think where. Um, Nothing stays the same for very long. Things are in constant state of change. And in my situation currently, I would say that I'm in the most unique situation I've been in in years because I've retired from my job a number of years ago, you know, for various reasons. And since my mom passed away in September, uh, I was focusing a lot of my attentions and devotions towards her prior to that. And since she's gone now, um, uh, I realize more than ever that, um, you know, things on this earth mean so much more less to me than they did even even a year ago, um, that my place and our ultimate home is in heaven. And and um, I would say materially speaking, you know, God has blessed me and taken care of me, but it means so little in relationship to friends and and people I care about and love. So uh, in that way, I think I've grown, and I and I, I I never forget what you know what Johnny says as far as keeping a light touch on this world, and that's something that I think uh, has worked out well for me in that area. I don't, you know, I'm in the process of selling my one of my one of my condo that I lived in, in twenty for twenty three years, and it's hard because it's been home for me for so long, and even though it's small, it doesn't matter. It's still my home. And it's been tough, but today I, I today was the first day that it went for sale, and I already got an offer on it, and it was more than what I asked for it. Uh, but you know, it doesn't matter. Those things are so minor in comparison with other things we talk about when we talk about our heavenly home. And in John 14, you know, it talks about one day we're gonna have a mansion. God's gonna prepare a mansion for us, and we're gonna have a home with Him, and that's what truly counts. So I, you know, I'm not perfect in my faith by any means. I have struggles like anybody else does, and I'm far from perfect. But I, I feel very secure in terms of knowing that, you know, much sooner than later, that our, you know, that's where my home's going to be, and I can thank God for that. So, anyways, that's it in a nutshell. Good job. All right, so we're picking it up. Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with which the, of the same with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, 
But having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Last verse. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Um, No, no, next verse. Of whom it is said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So those are the verses we're going to look at. It's 7 through 19. So verse 7, we're on the heels of knowing that without faith it is impossible to please God. We're on the heels of those who come to God must believe that he is. We're on the heels of not only that we believe that God is, but that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we're remembering that we're, we're being pointed in the direction of these individuals that God spoke to in history. And these are the patriarchs, individuals that this group would know very well. And so again, the first verse, verse 7, by faith, Noah. So you have this guy, Noah. There's one guy just on the earth. And if you read Genesis chapter 6, you hear the verse that broke me to shreds in a study by Pastor Justin Alfred up at camp. And the verse is, every thought was continually evil upon the hearts of mankind. And he said, that's what we default to. We default to evil. We default to not seeking after God. We, we, there's nothing redeemable, nothing good within us. And if there's anything good, it's because it's God put it there. It's because people can see some glimpse of God in our life. But in and of ourselves, there is nothing good. And so God had seen what was going on and just the corruption of people and the things that I hear today in the news and in the world that, that are taking place. I just I see it as that time where just people are doing things that are just so far removed from anything decent, anything good, anything redeemable, anything worthy of, of taking notice. And we can see that God's judgment is on the horizon. And so God sees mankind. He sees where they're at. He sees that every thought is, is continually towards evil. And he sees Noah. And it says of Noah that he finds grace in the sight of God. God sees Noah and he's going to extend to him his hand of grace. It goes on being divinely warned of the things not yet seen. And so God has a talk with Noah and he lets him know. He warns him that impending judgment is coming. It goes on to say moved with godly fear. Roxanne last week talked about something that the Lord had instilled in her heart from early on as a Christian is to fear the Lord. And you will obey that which you fear. You will obey that whom you fear. It's as simple as that. And so we fear the Lord. We reverence God. And hopefully that means something in our life. It's not just lip service. But Noah was moved with godly fear. And because of that, he prepared an ark 
for the saving of his household. And so there would be eight people on a ship. Noah, his wife, his three kids, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their three wives. Eight people are going to be redeemed from all of the population of the world. And he's going to build an ark. And if you remember Genesis, the way God had set up the Garden of Eden and creation for that part, is a mist came down from the earth, and basically that's what watered the earth. So there are no clouds, there's no rain, there's nothing that fell. Water didn't fall from the sky. There might have been a mist, might have been dew, but rain had never happened. And so for God to communicate that which was coming, something that Noah had no point of reference, nothing to be able to relate it to, and for 100 years, he was faithful to the design that God had given him to do what God had called him to do, Prepare an ark. Prepare a boat. Here's the dimensions. Get to work. Imagine the mockery in a world of where every thought was continually evil. Just imagine the mockery. And so his life is screaming as a witness to faithfulness to God. All he had was God's word, and that's all he needed. That's all he needed to walk by faith and to take God at his word and to do something that had never, again, where's his point of reference? He didn't have one, but God had told him something and by faith he was going to obey it. So he prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world. How did he condemn the world? Did he, did he have a bullhorn and he told him, condemnation, you're going to hell. No. Through his righteous obedience, he basically condemned those who were unrighteous because they weren't in obedience to God. And then it says finally of him, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. And so we are heirs of righteousness as we walk by faith. What does it mean? Take God at his word. Trust him. Endure through difficulty. We don't throw the towel in. We don't give up. We look up. We pray. We don't have to understand everything. And Abel's example was, it didn't happen in his life, did it? But you think he was sad when he came into the presence of God? When God received him into glory? No, not at all. Moving on, verse 9. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going what i read genesis that's not even like the truth wait hold up what by faith abraham obeyed god when he was called out no he didn't he went halfway to his father and waited until his father died 13 years later then he would go but is that wait hold on is that included in the new testament under grace No, God doesn't see anything negative in your life. The account, the record in heaven is blessings. And it's just, it's crazy to think like whatever slips and falls and stumbles and difficulties. Yeah, only that which God will reward you for in heaven. 
Only that con- commendation that you will receive in heaven is that which is recorded in the New Testament under grace. Incredible plan. It's not included. You ever read about Lot in the Old Testament? And then you go to the New Testament and it says his righteous soul was vexed. What? Is right? What? That's not, that's not. Oh, how does that? How does that happen? It's on grace. It's God's favor. And so for you, God sees you in a light that you probably, I don't know, can't even imagine yourself. He sees you as pristine. He sees you as worthy of blessings. He sees you as, as just all of this stuff that you're going to receive on the other side of eternity under grace. And that's just the way it is. The reality is Abraham didn't immediately obey. But that's okay because he did eventually obey. And God saw that obedience. And he's rewarding him from right here in the New Testament. We have this picture of Abraham as just an awesome little account as you read it. Goes on, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promises in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. I like that about Abraham. A very, very, very wealthy and powerful man. He takes his servants, his slaves, and he beats up the king and his army of another land. Remember when they were trying to come against Lot, his nephew? But yet, he dwelt in tents. Speaking of a temporary dwelling place. Speaking of treading on this world as Clyde shared lightly. Not touching too deep. You know, tent pegs as opposed to, you know, just digging deep in life. I got a foundation. I want a basement. I want three basements. And I want ceilings and roofs. And no, he just treaded lightly. That's a neat thing about uh, the patriarchs. The heirs with him of the same promise, verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This is straight out of Revelation. How does that happen? Abraham was able to see something that was so, so, so future, a new heavens and a new earth. He says right here, whose maker and builder is God. He's seeing something that only eyes of faith can see. Here's an interesting thing about God. God will God will take you as far as you want to go. And so many of us don't want to go very far. I don't know what it is or why it is, but the attachment of the world, the 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 allure of the world, I don't know what it is. But that's just an incredible thing. God will not force you, but God will. I I think it was Tozer. The world has yet, might have been C.S. Lewis. The world has yet to see a man fully committed to God. And I don't know what it is about us that we just get so sidetracked and distracted. If there's one word that describes an American Christian, I would say distracted is a good word. We're so distracted. We so get into the minutia of anything that's not faith, anything that's not faith building. 
Anything that's not faith challenging. Anything that's not communing with God. We're just so distracted. By faith, it goes on to say in verse 11, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, was that the immediate response of Sarah? She laughed. In fact, Isaac means laughter. And she laughed in a way where she's laughing at the impossibility and not believing it. Am I going to? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't know if you know about this little thing that happened with me, but I'm 90 years old and uh, the pipes aren't working. And my husband, oh my gosh, he's 100. That's not going to happen. She's laughing like the angel comes and he's like, yeah, that's not a good laugh. That's not a good laugh. But yet we don't have that noted in the New Testament. Because eventually she did believe God. And eventually she did. I think we study these guys in the Bible. People like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and all these. But do we ever think about the women in their lives, the wives that they have, and the faith that they had to exhibit as well? Just an interesting idea. But God gives us. And in first century AD, God putting women in the hall of faith. Isn't that awesome? means almost nothing to us in America, right? 2017, nothing. But their witness wasn't even worthy in a court of law. So just, I just love this about God. So because she judged him faithful who had promised, verse 12, therefore from one man, speaking of Abraham, and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Who is the father of the faith? Three monotheistic religions in the world. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Who is the head patriarch of all of those faiths? Abraham, father of the faith. And so just see what God can do through that. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Are we pilgrims on the earth? Do we tread lightly on the earth? Or do we dig roots really deep? For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have opportunity, had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And so that's something for us to look forward to. These individuals who the author of Hebrews is writing to, they're going to go through tremendous uh, persecution very, very shortly. We believe that the book of Hebrews was written just prior to uh, 70 AD, where, you know, Jerusalem would be um, destroyed by Titus, the Roman emperor, and um, his army, or General Titus, actually, he was a general. Um, but God is preparing a city for them. So God is preparing something for us as well. And heaven is that place that God is preparing for us. And he's preparing us for that place. 
I pray and hope that we're participating with him in that process, that we're not resisting God. I want to be prepared. I don't want to be a country bumpkin when I get to heaven. Whoa, what, whoa, whoa, I didn't even know, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, crazy. Hopefully God's preparing us and we're participating in that preparation where, man, you know what? Yeah, I'm seeing it. Eyes of faith, I'm starting to see it. By faith, Abraham, verse 17, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Probably one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible, Genesis chapter 22. And Hebrews 11 is giving us insight. Offer your son, your one and only son, your only begotten son. How many sons did uh, Abraham have at this time? He had two. Son of the flesh isn't even considered a son. Not even recognized. And that's what happens when we try to help God out. God, let me, let me, let me lend you a hand. And then we got these little things that we pick up when we go to the world. Where did Hagar come from? When they went to Egypt, they picked up a handmaiden. And so, again, I just see the grace of God in these things. And we think sometimes, well, I've blown it. Messed up big time. God doesn't even recognize it. He doesn't even see it. And that should do something. That should break you to no avail. That should floor you to the extent where I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to mess up. I want to walk in faith, trusting God. And so you have Genesis chapter 22. The types of this mountain, God will provide himself literally on the very same mountain that Isaac would be offered, Jesus would be offered 2,000 years later. Just incredible dynamics taking place as you study the scriptures and you begin to see But right here it tells us why Abraham was able to do it. He concluded in the resurrection. I don't know where this is. Maybe you guys can help me. The Bible says, Jesus speaking in John chapter 8, that Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. The response from the religious leaders is, you're not yet 50 years old. And you say, Abraham has seen you? When did Abraham see Jesus? You think through Melchizedek? The type of, okay, type of Jesus or uh, Christophany. Okay. Anybody else? Chuck, you think that's it? Melchizedek, okay. Do you think then that Melchizedek was a part of that fulfillment or do you think that God had showed them through the Messiah? The Messiah was coming and he saw that. Okay. And I believe that's how they were saved in the Old Testament. They look forward to the cross. We look back to the cross. So, all right, just throw it out there. So it tells us right here then how he was able to do it by believing in the resurrection. Again, concluding verse 19, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now, That's a very 
very profound level of faith. You are going to take the son of promise that you've waited your whole life for and at God's word, obey God and strike him dead. That's a level of faith that I find very difficult to relate to, but that's serious faith. He figured, hey, this is the son of promise. And I've been told that I'm going to be the father of multitudes, many, many, right? As much as the stars and the sands of the sea. And that's a figurative thing. Let's pray so you guys can get some dessert. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the times that we live. Lord, we see that the time is at hand. We see that the time is short, but we know, Father, that you are on the throne. We know that you are right on time. I pray, Lord, that we would be busy about your business. I pray that we would proclaim your goodness to those who we come in contact with. Father, as light in this dark world, as salt that preserves this corrupt world, Lord, I pray that we would do what you've called us to do, that we would be that extension, Lord, your body, that extension of your loving hands, your gracious mouth and mouthpiece, your listening ear, feet that take uh, the gospel to those who need to hear it, Lord. And so I pray that we would first and foremost look to you, acknowledging, Lord, that we need you, that we need to be desperate for you. Help us, Lord, with the distractions that exist in our lives. May we just continue to uh, just trust and endure until we go home to be with you, Lord. For your glory, for your name's sake, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.